You are listening to the Actor Aesthetic Podcast, episode 191, how I met my agents and how you can too. Let's get started. What's up, everyone? My name is Maggie Barra. Thank you for joining me for another episode of the Actor Aesthetic Podcast, where I take you behind the scenes of the theater industry. The Actor Aesthetic Podcast is produced every week for your enjoyment, and show notes are found at actoraesthetic.com slash podcast. You can also follow me for more on social media at Actor Aesthetic or my personal account at Maggie Barra. All links are in the show notes. Now let's get on to the show. I feel like there is this unspoken truth about finding your agent, how to find them, where to secure representation, who to talk to, who to ask about it. I feel like it's all very unspoken. And there are people in this industry that don't want to tell you how they got their agent and what worked for them and what didn't because they don't want you to get an agent too, especially if they're in the industry and competing maybe with you for the same roles. But I think in order to be happy in this industry, a big part of that is that you have to be confident in yourself and your skills and your abilities enough to share your wisdom with the next generation of artists. So here's the deal. There are a few different ways to find representation and sign with an agent or a manager, especially in New York City. I will talk about how I found my agents in today's episode. I'll give you some more tips for that. And I'll explain the difference between an agent and a manager and how they can work for or against you in the industry. Now, let's first talk about the few different ways that you can find representation. The first way, of course, is through a showcase, whether that's for your senior showcase, maybe you're studying musical theater or theater and you have a showcase at the end of your senior year or beginning of your senior year, even in the city in which your college or university is, maybe in LA or Chicago or New York City, or just a big city that is a hub nearby for the theater industry or performing arts. You can also get involved in a showcase by paying uh, for a class that at the end of the class or at the end of the session, you get to sing in front of agents and casting directors and creatives. Another way that you can at least secure a meeting with an agent or manager for a representation is through a connection or a referral. So say you know a casting director really well in the industry and they would go out on a limb for you to refer you to an agent whom they work closely with. Or maybe you even have a dance teacher or a voice teacher or a friend in the industry who has connections to an agent or is even represented by an agent and they want to go out on a limb for you and refer you to them. That's another way that you can at least secure a meeting with an agent. And then lastly is you can just cold submit. So whether or not the agency is accepting open submissions, you can 
can submit virtually if that's what they allow. You can submit physically, meaning you can send in a hard copy of your headshot and resume and a cover letter. There are a couple different ways to go about this, but of course, the key part of submitting to an agent cold is that you want to follow their submission guidelines. And you can often find those directions on their website or somewhere on their social media. So when I was auditioning for musical theater college programs, something that was really important to me was whether or not the college that I was applying to participated in a senior showcase. If the school did not have a senior showcase or a reputable senior showcase, it was bumped down on my list simply because that was so important to me. I wanted to have a good first impression to the city, especially after graduating, and I wanted to be amongst a really talented group of people. So when I found out that Texas State had a really solid senior showcase, I felt great about going there. Some of the schools that I was applying to had senior showcases, but you had to audition for them, or they had almost similar to a cut program. You had to make the cut to perform in your senior showcase, and so you had to audition for it. You had to prove your spot there, and not everyone was going to make it. Some of the schools were even just like half of the program got to do their senior showcase, and I really hated that philosophy because if you were paying to go to a school that has a senior showcase, you want to be able to have that opportunity presented to you. So yeah, I I ended up going to Texas State University for a musical theater BFA. And at the end of my four years there, we had a senior showcase. And in fact, I started looking at material for a senior showcase end of junior year. And then by senior year, we were starting to get locked in with our rep with our material, with our choices, with our outfits, with our overall outlook on Senior Showcase. And we even had a class that was pretty much dedicated to perfecting this, or at least because perfection is not really attainable, making our Senior Showcase package as strong as possible. And I'll tell you what my showcase material ended up being. So at first I was really into, um, I found a new baby from Bullets Over Broadway, which is still one of my favorite songs to sing and is still in my book to this day. But then something clicked. I ended up singing Dead Girl Walking from Heather's The Musical and Another Life from The Bridges of Madison County. And I did have also a little of quick little portion like of a medley where I sang um, a, a bit like a really, really short snippet of an aria that showcased my legit soprano voice. And at that time, what I was focusing on was three different things. One, that I could sing, you know, a pop musical theater sound because Mean Girls was super popular. And at the time that was really heavily what I was going for. Um, I was also interested in showcasing that I had this other quality of my voice that was really unique to me, this folky pop sound. And then of course, I wanted to showcase that I was still funny and had a different take on things with um, the aria that hinted at a potential Glinda in Wicked. If I had done my senior showcase again, I would have probably still done most of the same material. 
However, I may have focused a bit heavier on comedy, which now I, I find is really my strong suit. And I think I was nervous to sing I Found a New Baby because even though it was super belty and fun, it it struck a comedy chord that I was fighting. You know, I really wanted to be the cool girl, uh, high school girl, pop, musical theater, pop rock chick that was, you know, the rock of ages and the Heathers and even like Legally Blonde and Dear Evan Hansen and all those that stuff. And I think to a point it served me, but something that is so unique about me is the comedy and that's the only thing I probably would have shifted. Other than that, we also all did a quick, a very short, maybe 30 to 45 second monologue. I did this monologue from the show called Caveman, and it was funny. It was definitely out there and outlandish. I think something that you want to think about when you are choosing your showcase material is that you don't have a whole lot of time to make a good first impression, and you also don't want to rely too heavily on the brooding, the dark, the depressing, the sad, the emotional, the angry parts of you, because just like a college audition, you really want to showcase yourself in your best light. And you're not necessarily auditioning for a part, just like a college audition in your senior showcase, you're really just showing off yourself in the best possible light. And sometimes doing stuff that's a little bit on the darker side is not always perceived appropriately. So I tried to keep it light and fun, and I think I would have kept in the same vein too had I had done it again. Now, what happens at a senior showcase is typically at the end, once you you know go through the senior showcase process, you perform in front of casting directors and directors and creatives and fellow artists alike, If you have agents and managers that come to your showcase, your school will typically have a process where the agent or manager can contact you directly or check off a box so that you can contact them to maybe set up an appointment. And so what happened at my school at the time was we had a box that each agent checked off, you know, each actor in our showcase had a box for an agent to check off whether or not they wanted to meet with them again or have them audition for them. And so one of the agents that checked off the box was from professional artists. And what's even funnier is that even though I didn't know the agent personally, um, my now agent was really good friends with one of my teachers from the Paper Mill Musical Theater Conservatory program that I did for seven or eight years growing up over the summer Um pretty much from 2000, I don't know, six or seven to 2013. And yeah, she and my, my teacher were really close. And I think she also knew that I was going to be at the showcase. So she was already looking out for me and, uh, she checked off that she wanted to meet with me. And so I ended up meeting with her. I was super, super nervous. I, uh, I walked into their, their office And I sat down with Marilyn Scott Murphy, who is the owner of Professional Artists Agency. Now, something you should know is that growing up, because I was so close to the city and my voice teacher had 
a connection with an agent in the city. Um, my sister and I both were signed with Don Buckwald and Associates. They were our legit agents, meaning that they represented us in theater and TV and film. They also represented us for commercials and we were in their youth department. So because we were only, you know, at the time I was, when I first signed with them, I must've been 12 or 13 and my sister was nine or 10 uh, we were represented in the youth department and we were going on on auditions all the time. So signing with an agent wasn't necessarily new to me. And at this point, I was no longer signed with an agent when I met with Marilyn because I had since left their agency when I went to college. But what was different about professional artists was that I was told at the time that they didn't necessarily sign with their actors. So instead, they freelanced with their actors, meaning you weren't bound by a contract. So there was an unspoken agreement that, say, for example, you're first starting out with your agent that you're freelancing with, and maybe you got an audition or a role in a show, maybe a contract in a show that your agent did not get you the audition for. You are not obligated to work with your agent, to negotiate with your agent, or even to pay your agent for that contract. However, you can certainly work with them to negotiate the contract and eventually pay them for their time and their expertise and their negotiation mastery. That's all up to you, but it is unspoken and it's really up to you on how you feel about your agent relationship. So knowing that, I knew that either if I didn't sign with this agent, I could technically go on auditions myself and they could never get me an appointment because I was not personally signed with them. But... They did get me appointments, and I just had to trust the process. In fact, when I started auditioning in the city after graduating college, not only was I going to EPAs, which are equity principal auditions, or ECCs, equity chorus calls, open calls, I was submitting virtually myself on Actors Access, on Backstage, through Playbill, through Broadway World. I was also getting submitted by my agents, and I was going to auditions I was going to agent appointments. I was submitting self-tapes that were given to me by my agents. And so I had this really good middle ground groove where half of what I was doing was from my agents and half of what I was doing was all on my own. And in fact, I didn't start booking anything through my agents until more recently. If you're looking for an agent, I think it's really important to talk to your friends in the industry and ask them about their relationships with their agents. Because when you start working with an agent, number one, you really want to be able to understand their communication style. You want to feel like they're on your team and supporting you. And you want to feel like it truly is a 50-50 relationship. They're only doing half the work, but you have to do the other half. You have to be going to class and getting yourself in the door on your own. You have to be updating your materials, your website, your resume, your headshots, and you want to stay on your A-game. Agents don't want to represent someone who's just half-assing their way through the industry. They want to represent someone who consistently does a good job, who makes a good impression in front of casting directors, directors, new writers, new musical directors and choreographers. 
so that when the right opportunity comes around, they are ready for it and they book it. Listen, I've been with my agents now since I graduated college. They stuck with me through the pandemic. They stuck with me through plenty of auditions that I didn't get callbacks for, didn't book. They stuck with me through near booking experiences, near Broadway booking experiences. They've stuck with me and I am so grateful for that. And I do feel like they have my best interest at heart and I feel like they do a great job for me. So with that, of course, you know, I love my agents and, and I wouldn't trade that for the world. If you found this episode helpful, please be sure to screenshot it and tag at Actor Aesthetic, share it to your Instagram story. If you're ready for a resume refresh to get in front of those casting directors and agents in the best way possible, go to actoraesthetic.com forward slash shop. And if you haven't already, stop what you're doing and rate and review the podcast on your favorite podcast streaming platform. I love you all. It takes a village. I will see you next week. <laughs>